broadcasting live from this stage. This is The Monstrous Feminine, the podcast where horrible humans talk about horror. My name's Taya and I'm joined by my rock stars. Mila, Louisa, and Zayla. And in this episode, we're continuing our pride theme by talking about the 2002 rocker horror movie, Queen of the Dam, directed by Michael Reimer. Before we get into the film, go ahead and follow us on Spotify, YouTube, or the Apple Podcast app. You can find all of our links on our Instagram at The Monstrous Feminine Podcast. In Queen of the Damned, the vampire Lestat awakens in his crypt to the sound of rock music. Tired of concealing his existence, he becomes the famous lead singer of the band, singing lyrics which expose vampire Lord's secrets and dare his fellow vampires to join him in living openly. Though his fans think it's a persona, an orphan paranormal studies scholar named Jesse is convinced that Lestat is genuine. She reads his journal and discovers that Lestat was made by an ancient vampire named Marius. Though Marius abandoned Lestat because they disagreed on the need to keep their existence a secret. Disobeying her professor, Jessie seeks out Lestat numerous times, fascinated by the vampire way of life. Meanwhile, Lestat's daring performances incite both the wrath of his vampire peers, but also awaken a ruthless, bloodthirsty vampire queen known as Akasha, who feeds on humans and vampires alike. Akasha. Why so surprised, my love? You called, I've come. My love. Never fear me, Lestat. All your wishes have come true. I wanted to know, without getting us sued, please answer the question, who do you think could secretly be a vampire? Like, who of a rock genre singer? Does it have to be a rock singer? Can it be any celebrity? Uh, okay, we'll say start with rock singer and then expand to any celebrity. You just introduced my PR nightmare. I would say like Paul Rudd or something since he's pretty ageless. That's really funny. No, I was about to say Machine Gun Kelly feels too on the nose. Also, Megan Fox feels too on the nose. <laughs> if Machine Gun Kelly was a vampire, then everyone would know. They would have told us by now. They would have literally told us. They would have done a live stream of him sucking her blood or something. Jojo Siwa. What? Jojo, I guess she doesn't look like she's kept her her image young, but I feel like that's just because of her demographic. She's just trying to throw y'all off. We've also watched her age from childhood, like, very much closely in the public eye. Because actually, I wasn't going the who's aged route. I was going more vibes, and that's why I was thinking, like, Machine Gun Kelly. Those aren't vampiric vibes, though. That is simply... Those are cringe. (laughs) Yeah, cringe. (laughs) Insufferable. So is Lestat. Lestat is cringe It's true. He's really cringe and insufferable. Maybe Oscar Isaac. But if Oscar Isaac was a vampire, I would... I would suddenly be a mousy girl please. ready to die. <laughs> the Monstrous Feminine is on Twitter, so please tweet us. If you do engage with our content, you might just get a shout out in our next episode as our Witch of the Week. This episode, our Witch of the Week, is Sav, who recommended our podcast on Twitter in response to a post asking for horror podcast recommendations. It is so nice when people recommend us. I always get so excited. I love that because y'all are spreading the word. Like, word of mouth is so powerful. So thank you for telling other people that you listen to us. Friendly reminder that we're also on Patreon. For £1 a month, you gain access to our Discord. For £3 a month, you get to hear a cut discussion from our main episodes. And for £5 a month, you get all that plus a bonus episode. Please support us. Any contribution helps. And at least in the interview with a vampire, it feels like there is that the the side character is queer. In this movie, I'm just like, I don't know. He's a creep. 
he felt aggressively straight. What? To me. I think I watched a different film. No, I think he was incidentally queer in the way that sometimes people are so straight that it becomes gay. That's where I could see it going. No, no, no. Guys, you're not going to support anything I say about this. You're not going to support anything I say. I about always this. support you, Louisa. Don't say that. I always support you, even when you're wrong. You're not going to like it. But I read this film as a coming out slash clause, being in the closet allegory. Okay, say more. For which character? So the whole film, like the whole theme. So basically, there's a lot of dialogue, which I feel acts as, if you take it out of context, a if metaphor. You take it out, okay. If you take it out of context, should not be how you start a point. <laughs> um, listen, I meant if you isolate the dialogue, in many ways that horror can be queer, it becomes quite queer. Okay? And I'm going to explain. I'm going to give you some dialogue. So first, Marius once says to him, a vampire's life is a life of discretion. And Lestat says, discretion? Why must we hide, Marius? We are powerful, we are immortal, we should walk fearless in the open, no? Marius says, that cannot be, we're vulnerable during the day, mortals must never know about us for the sake of all our kind. Like the gays! Lestat says, so I can never be known... Another time when he's talking to Jesse, he says, for what do I yearn? And Jesse says, to walk with the living. Marius at one point says, like, you almost cost me everything because he wanted to live flamboyantly. And Lestat says, eventually, after a bit of back and forth, he says, come, let me show you what it means to live in the light. Akasha likes Lestat because she says, you live in the open like I did long ago. Um, yeah, and Aunt Mariette, Mariette says, we found other ways to coexist, and Akasha says, ah, yes, in silence, in shadows, in shame, and for what? For the respect of mortals? This whole film, to me, felt like a metaphor for, like, the vampire existence aligning very, very broadly, I know, but with, like, closeted queer experiences, and lots of people have interpreted vampirism like that, so I don't feel like I'm alone. You are not alone. Vampire law is inherently queer. But I feel like this film sucks some of the queer out. But it's so camp and stupid. It's not camp. I'm sorry. Oh, we're back to this gatekeeping. (laughs) It is camp. It's just a 90s movie. I agree with Mila. This isn't camp to me. He also ends up with Jesse. What is your take on that, Louisa? That's kind of where my interpretation stopped because I think that's just like the comp pet roping you back in. I didn't understand. this is actually not how it was supposed to happen in the books. And a lot of fans of the books were very angry about this movie because Jessie is not a really big character in the books. And she certainly does not have any sort of romantic relationship. Yeah, because they make it fucking straight. And then they also change him from like searching for Marius' entire movie because he misses him to being like, I'm fine with being with this girl who I've known for five seconds, who's a rabid stalker and who has harassed me the entire time and invaded my privacy. Also the betrayal of Akasha. I don't think they thought that one through. Um, this is another example of racially blind casting um, <laughs> being a nightmare. <laughs> Because uh, having a bunch of white people drain the life out of a black woman was not the best idea. That is, I think, how it does happen in the book. That they do decide to drain her and he does betray her. But it's out of respect to Marius, not because he's like in love with Jesse. But I was like, I don't know, y'all. Something about this direction was a bizarre choice. Being like, yeah, let's have all the white vampires kill their black queen. So this white mortal can become a vampire and be the queen. See, hearing you say that makes me think more of it critically. I think I was there for vibes. I'm not gonna lie. I kind of liked the music. I loved Aaliyah. Like, it was just a film for me of beautiful people and a closet metaphor. I was like, she is such a badass in this movie and then they killed her and I was sobbing. 
The costume design went off though. They really did go off on that outfit. Everything he wore was ugly and nothing was magnetic to me. <laughs> I love that assessment. It just wasn't magnetic. I really feel like if they make a Vampire Lestat movie, if they don't use Rob Pattinson or Timothy Chalamet, nothing will be able to mask my disappointment. This kind of like weird emo attractiveness I in the vampire genre. Do you think... How much did Anne Rice contribute to like our media versus like older depictions of vampires? Like they already kind of have this like angsty emo vibe going, but she did change the game. And that is what I realized watching this because I watched Interview with a Vampire like so, so, so long ago. Like I very much don't remember it, but like all I hear is like Anne Rice, Anne Rice, Anne Rice. I understand that. I understand the impact. I haven't read the books either. Watching this, I'm like, oh, this is really it. Because like I'm also doing a True Blood rewatch right now. And that has that exact same like loose queer allegory that you're describing, Louisa. They literally call it coming out of the coffin. Be authentically you. Alexander Skarsgård had to be by the neck me in high too. school. I was like an Eric Northman fan. A hundred percent. And I, I would I would very much recommend a True Blood rewatch during Pride Month to anybody listening. They have a very similar structure to the like Anne Rice world of like vampires exposing themselves to everybody and like how would they fit into society or would they fit? It's giving queer. But True Blood like unabashedly is a queer allegory, but they're explicitly queer characters and the, the vampires they almost have this thought of like, if you if you li- live this long, if you're immortal, you literally have to be queer by that point. Like you you can't like run through a whole gender and not gotten curious in that time. It's been really fun to like sit back and like watch how many of my straight friends would be like, actually, yeah. I guess my question was like, do y'all have more familiarity with like this, like the Anne Rice world building slash like how much do you think the bitch had an impact? I think it's huge. I think it's massive. Like the angsty emo vampire, she is the originator. I have no doubt in my mind Stephanie Meyer has read those books. No doubt in my mind. Like it, it feels so clearly inspired, you know, like almost unabashedly so. And I struggle to think of a piece of vampire media post these books that I would not say that for. I was going to just give you a fair warning and also to our listeners, if you've never seen True Blood, the sex in True Blood is graphic. Oh, I'll watch it tomorrow then. I think it's great, but like be (laughs) warned because it's like, like this is not for watching in your common areas. It's so perfectly sexy, funny, like scary. Satirical. Social commentary. Excellent. Okay, well that's, that's your review of True Blood. What's your review of Queen of the Damned, guys? Nothing in this movie was very hot to me and it all felt like it was supposed to be. Like the tension between him and Jesse was very clearly like they changed the story in order to make it this heterosexual, very like hot romance of like a human vampire. He's so powerful and he's a bad boy rock star and none of it was really landing for me. I was just like, this is weird. She a freak and she needs to leave this man alone. She finish her dissertation. Yeah, girl. We all want to avoid our dissertation. Where's the academic integrity going off to fuck that vampire? Also, I really liked him and Akasha when they were together for like five seconds. So I was yeah, I needed more of that. that everybody for sure. was like, "You gotta, you gotta split up." I was like, if they made a remake of this movie and did it exactly like this, I would be furious. <laughs> I want nothing but a whole movie of Lestat and Akasha. I don't even know if that happens in Anne Rice universe, but you know, it needs to happen on film. I feel like you've all just shamed me that I liked this film, that I found him hot. I, well, I Hang on, actually, I wouldn't go as far as say I liked the film. I just mean that it wasn't... I thought it was camp. I agree. 
I watched it as I would watch a, a music video, which is probably why I was like not as critical as I should be. Does that make sense? Like I did not consume it as a film. So I was kind of just there for vibes and I was there for Aaliyah when, when Revia, Aaliyah showed up and I was like, yes. She said, but 20 lines. <laughs> yeah, no. It was ridiculous because given the amount I've seen about Queen of the Damned, I really did think Aaliyah was like at the, or Akasha, I should say. I thought Akasha it was, was called Aaliyah Queen of the Damned. Apparently it's not. I will say they did a really bad job at the fangs in this movie. Like they, they were, were inconsistent too, as like, well. They were fanging. Them fangs were fanging. I was like, <laughs> these fangs are too much. Like even if it was like Oscar Isaac Vampire, like when they whipped out fangs that were like this big, I would be like, I am actually out of here. I don't know if I'm gonna like to drink my blood. But she was like, Yella said this is totally fine. I was like, this is weird. Some of their fangs were this big, and then some of them were like this big. I was like. Aside from the fang inconsistency, I think it found it a little bit uncomfortable to like buy into the whole, I mean, she she is beautiful, but it's hard to view her as like the sex bomb figure, given the fact that obviously what we know after the, all that came to light with R. Kelly and everything. You said it's hard to male gaze her? Well, yeah, of course. I was just talking to folks about this. She lied about her age for a long time. And for a long time, people didn't know how old she was because she married R. Kelly when she was 15. So she had to lie about that in order to marry him. But generally in the media, if in interviews, people asked how old she was, she was like very, uh, she didn't tell people how old she was. And so I think a lot of people assumed that she was lying because she was say, older than she was. I think a lot of people thought she was like in her mid to late 20s, in, in her music career and in her acting career. And that was like part of them. R. Kelly did that to her. He made that part of her image and he aged her up and made her like, the, like she was a sex symbol before this movie. And I think that like by that point, by that time that movie came out, she was already a sex symbol. It wouldn't have been weird to see Aaliyah in that light. I think I agree with you. It is weird in retrospect in the same way that her whole career is a little bit weird in retrospect. If you watch her music videos, I mean, she wasn't doing things that were super different from like Destiny's Child or like other people who were like 15, 16, 17 or Britney Spears, like people who were young pop stars, they were all sexualized by producers, etc. But I think we have, in Aaliyah's case, a special case where we can feel especially like icky about it. It feels icky. And it's not to say that people like, can't be perceived as sexual post-trauma or whatever. That's not what I'm trying to get at at all. I just meant like, maybe because she's like not here, like she died really shortly after. And she wasn't that old. Like she was over 18, but she wasn't. Oh, by That's the other thing. She's like a strong 20 to 20, 21 for this. I think she was 23 or 24, maybe. She was 22 when she died. So she must have been 21 oh, roughly shit. when filming this. So I'm a bit like, I mean, I'm 25. So it's not like that weird. To be like cast as like a powerful sex goddess. It is quite young. Crazy, right? And I think what's such a shame also, like, yes, that she's forever 22 in our minds. But at that point in her career, like, in Queen of the Damned and also just like the music that she was doing. She was actually like in a post R. Kelly phase of her life, which is such a shame because I think she was a really like smart and strong-willed person who would have, I mean, she was out of it. She was getting out of it. She was healing. She, her work was like more her own. She's with Damien Dash at the moment. I think she's yeah, engaged Yeah, and him. it's just very like, I don't know. It's like, it is a haunting legacy to me about like what she could have been. 
Yeah, I think she definitely would have been such a huge performer. Speaking of more of Akasha as a character rather than moving away from Aaliyah as an actress. So I know we were talking about in Daughters of Darkness how we want a bit more interiority. I just low-key loved that Akasha was just like here to just like no explanation. Agent of chaos. Yeah, agent of chaos. A full on, not a gagent, but I'm going to call her a gagent for the purpose of pride. But anyway, I loved that she was like an agent of chaos in its pure form. Like here to just kill everyone indiscriminately i kind of like that my mon femmes either i want them to be like really complex and i want to understand them or i want to know absolutely zero about them and i want them to be fucking ruthless and there's like no in between and the in-betweens is where it fails me like i feel like the in-betweens are always the weaker ones whereas like when it's like one or the other i'm like excellent i thought of akasha as like the archaic mother mon femme meaning that she is literally called like marius introduces her by saying because lestat's like who's that and he's like she's your mother she's my mother akasha queen of all who are damned and he is her king i need to know why jesse becomes the queen when she's a baby vampire literally wikipedia this because i was unsure if i was interpreting this incorrectly but it said at the end of the movie jesse and Lisette are supposed to be the king and queen but i thought aunt mariette was supposed to be the new queen because she's now she's drunk her blood and now she's a statue i felt like on the wikipedia it said because she was a statue it became jesse i i i did not i did not get that i thought i thought jesse and the stat were just like running away carly ray jepson run away with you <laughs> How does that song sound? Because I've never heard Run it. Run away with me. Run away with me. I have never heard anything by Carly Rae Jepsen except for that one song, Call Me Maybe. Anyway, back to our kick mother. Basically, the fact that she consumes like her mate she consumes her children she consumes humans like she can she just eats everyone right she drinks she drains everybody she is like top tier archaic mother the one who's like the all devouring mouth indiscriminately like everyone becomes her everyone's absorbed by her it literally has a line later on like akasha has taken the king's blood she's absorbed his power so like she is like stereotypical archaic mother so in terms of mon femme like she's 10 out of 10 for a mon femme for me i wish i could have seen more of her destruction but we didn't really get it I, we just had Jessie and her like moping around, like lusting after Lestat. And I was like, you're hot, but this you're is just not why I came. this is a example of like why films should not always like crutch on romance. Because sometimes I just really don't want to see people fall in love. <laughs> sometimes straight up don't want to see it. They really did tone down the queer. I mean, they obviously, but they did like interview with a vampire. Like you said, was explicitly gay. Like there's no, it's literally called a horror romance. Like they are in a relationship brad pitt's character in lestat can't remember what that vampire was called brad pitt as a vampire was really hot really hot fuck that was a great choice but he also looks quite effeminate so i don't i just have like such gay confusion watching i'm sad they toned down the queer vibes i do think that there were queer undertones with marius and lestat i think that was there i think any like we said any instance where like same sex sucking on each other's necks is just gonna be gay i don't know how to look at it in a way that's not kind of queer but their relationship was also like made ambiguous by like the paternalistic element which i think they threw in to kind of like almost undercut the queer elements of the first film that was implied with Lestat's character and they gave him a straight storyline. So it's kind of sanitizing. I think in the books though, he is supposed to be like a father figure to him because he is like the guy who like taught him how to be a vampire. So I think that is true, but it is just a bit more queered. I think also like, I know I was saying that I read the film broadly speaking as like a coming out allegory, like Lestat wants to come out. 
But I thought it was interesting that Akasha at one point has a line that says, drinking my blood allows you to live in the light. Because it was almost like being in a straight relationship allows you to like be in the light to me. I kind of read it as that. But anyway, we all know that. Okay, fine. Maybe I'm overreading it. Apparently, Anne Rice had some drama with this film because from what I understood, and I'm not going to lie, I'm, I'm not a lawyer. I just was reading Wikipedia. Apparently they were supposed to, so it was like a, in a few years, she was going to have the rights reverted back to her from film studios back to her because that was like the contract or something. So they kind of like rushed to kind of do it before that point, but they took a lot of creative agency and they cut out a lot of the plot points. So you, for example, Akasha had a, had a backstory in this in the books, the Vampire Chronicles, and there was more story about Aunt Mar- Marahet um, and the story of the twins. Like there was meant to be this whole thing and they cut it out, which is kind of gave Jessie way bigger of a role. They basically changed around a lot of stuff and she was very disapproving with the plot. Also, they didn't ask her to be a screenwriter and Raisa is. So I think like there was a kind of drama and she was a little bit like at one point she condoned the film, another point she was disappointed with it, then she stopped talking about it, but she was excited for the main actor. I don't know. It was like kind of back and forth. But yeah, it was just kind of sad because I was like, oh, I hate when I see like writers like who write the original like material get like sidelined from a project. I think that's really sad. I'm not always like purist in that I want it to be canon, but like, yeah, this was not right. The way they were like fast tracking it and then they like made it fucking straight in this month of pride how dare in they? this exact month of pride i still think a lot of the character is extremely gay and i still read the film as a coming out allegory that so, is so in that way i still queer it i queer it therefore it's queer thank you for listening to the monstrous feminine be sure to follow us on instagram soundcloud and spotify at the monstrous feminine podcast and on twitter at the mon pod subscribe to our youtube channel and rate and review us on apple podcasts and follow us on tiktok at the monstrous feminine pod brooms up which is out